listening to She Rises, a podcast dedicated to women who are ready to stop settling and start living their lives by design. If you're ready to talk about the stuff that weighs you down and get practical advice on everything from your health, body image, spirituality, relationships, and personal growth, then you're in the right place. Hello, I'm Giovanna Capoza, your host, master coach, spiritual teacher, and mind-body expert, and I'm on a mission to unsettle women all over the world. Are you ready to rise? Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of She Rises. Have I got an episode for you today? Oh my gosh, I have my friend and teacher, Teo Alfaro, on the show today. And guys, we are getting cosmic. We are getting very witchy and very woo-woo in all the beautiful, most respectful senses of those words today. You know, this was a really vulnerable episode for me to record because we were diving into teachings and principles and things that I've been learning and diving into myself um, that I haven't really shared on the show before. So it was in particular a really special episode for me to interview Teo uh, as my teacher and my friend, but also because we were going to be diving into some topics that I haven't talked about on the show before. So I really hope you enjoy the insight. I hope that it sparks your imagination And I hope that you stay for the full episode because we kind of weave in and out some very interesting topics. We talk about non-duality teachings. We talk about Teo's amazing book, The Wolf Connection. And in particular, the chapter that he has in the book called The Cosmic Wolf, where he talks about a very special message he received from collective consciousness. And we dive into some topics about lucid dreaming and really just about what it means to have an ego and how it is that we can navigate being a spiritual being here on earth. So as you can tell, very juicy topics. Let me tell you a little bit about my friend Teo. He was raised in Argentina and came to California in 1999. His passion for reaching out to young people in need of mentoring and guidance combined with his unique understanding of the subtle yet powerful teachings of wolves inspired the creation of Wolf Connection, a sanctuary for wolves and wolf dogs north of Los Angeles. A thought leader and sought-after spiritual guide and advisor to influencers in the area of science, technology, human potential, business, sports, and entertainment, he is an experienced TEDx speaker and now author of his first book, The Wolf Connection, What Wolves Can Teach Us About Being Human. Guys, like I said before, it is my honor to have Teo on this show. Stick it out. I know we go to some far out places on this show, but I think you're going to find it interesting. And if there's at least one little nugget one little piece that sort of sparks your imagination or has you think, hmm, what's that all about? I'm interested. We want to hear from you. You can talk to us uh, under the show notes at the comments. You can find us on social media. We'll be posting the episode there and ask questions, get involved. And I'd love to hear what you think about this episode. In the meantime, enjoy. Teo, welcome to She Rises. It's such an honor to have you on my show as my guest. (laughs) Such a pleasure being with you, Giovanna. Yeah, and we giggle. I'm going to explain for the audience why we're giggling because, you know, I have known you, I mean, uh, for a few years now, but it's I've known you as a, you know, a fellow mastermind participant. I've known you as friend. I've known you mostly as my teacher. And I would lovingly call you my shaman, although I know that's not a term that you necessarily uh, naturally embrace, although I don't know what else to call you except my my magical medicine man. So I'm honored to have you on the show 
in particular um, to celebrate you and this amazing new book that you've written. And we will have links for everybody uh, in the show notes for the end of the show. You can check that out. But also because I really want to dive into a very personal topic for me, which is dreaming. And I think it's going to be really interesting for the audience to hear your very, I'm going to say magical, but also practical perspective on dreaming. And I wonder if you could start by telling us a little bit of a story about you, the dreamer, and and how that's influenced you and, and affected you in your life. Sure. So we can start by saying that, you know, for most people dreaming, you know, it's a thing, the thing that we, we do that um, discombobulated thing that we do when we go to sleep. Um, you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, the, the, the brain goes through the recycling machine and it's just, you know, stores and whatever. And it's a, it's a mix of, um, you know, your, your the pizza you have for dinner plus <laughs> <laughs> whatever happened the day plus childhood. I mean, like, so, um, but many, um, traditions around the world have honed, honed the ability to dream as a practical tool, as, um, you know, the tradition that I was trained in, uh, from, from ancient, uh, you know, early Mexico cultures, um, use dreaming, as, uh, um, as a, as, a, as a bonafide device to access uh, other worlds, access knowledge, communicate with each other, um, and so on. So, working with you, I mean, you are you are a gifted dreaming dreamer, and so a lot of our work together was focused on you creating your life first in dreaming and then here. So if, for you, for people like you, that um, that's really the correct and most efficient path. So for me, you asked me what dreaming has done. Um, in retrospect, I can see that I was dreaming as a, as a young kid. Many kids do. They have all kinds of visions and they see things and so on. And eventually with our um, socialization and upbringing, we, we tend to forget all these those things. So, so I had a, a dream, a dream that I used to have as a kid, you know, my seven, eight, eight, nine years old, 10 years old, where I would fly out the window of my bedroom, second floor um, bedroom. And, um, I would just fly over my neighborhood and look at the houses from, a, from, from above. Uh, and, and later in my years, I was able to actually climb to the roof of my house and confirm that the the houses neighboring mine or the one I lived in um, in effect li- looked like the way I saw them in, in dreams. So that was a good confirmation as a kid. Mm. And then at uh, different times in my life, I, I forgot, I recovered, I forgot, you know, it wasn't something that I, that I, I pursue as in my teen years. And, you know, I was just a regular teenager. And eventually I got curious again about just spirituality in general. I began researching and reading different philosophies around the world, different, um, uh, uh, you know, thought uh, schools, schools of thought. And eventually I came across the writings of Carlos Castaneda, uh, you know, a um, shaman um, anthropology student and teacher and, uh, at UCLA, 
that wrote extensively about his apprenticeship with a uh, Mexican shaman, a lot of which included the the practice of dreaming. It's a very uh, it's an extraordinary book that he wrote called The Art of Dreaming that I recommend to anybody interested in the topic. And The Art of Dreaming is really far out. I mean, it's a, a deep a dreaming experience through which, um, I mean, it describes certain processes and the different gates through which a practitioner goes in order to unlock the the realms of dreaming, uh, such as dreaming together, meeting with some other people, doing things that they both agree to do, and then there is cohesion in the descriptions afterwards and so on, like you and I have done. Um, and, and I describe some of this in chapter six of the book. Um, uh, you read that. What, what, what did you think? Yeah, I was just going to say so that we're referring to uh, the cosmic wolf in the book, The Wolf Connection. And that I was I was jumping in my skin right now because I wanted to ask you my what I thought about it was holy crap, that's amazing, because many times, I mean, I've never had dreams where I've received downloads to the extent of the download you received, but I've had dreams like that that are, let's say, informational, right? Like you're getting a download from the cosmos and it's it's imparting with to you some wisdom. And I, my curiosity was around the difference between those dreams where you received such a profound download about humanity and the universe and and this message from wolf as a universal cosmic being not as the animal we see you know walking on the earth versus dreams that let's say are more prophetic in quality which i've had a lot of versus the <laughs> dreams that you talk about which is dream it first and then create it so when i was reading that chapter i was like holy crap this is amazing and like what else like what else is possible so that's always been my, I mean, I self, like I said to you before, selfishly, I just wanted you on the show so that I could have this conversation with you <laughs> because for me, I have like different qualities of all, all, all those dream states, which before I met you, I just thought, well, everybody has this. Don't, doesn't everybody dream like this until you said, uh, nope. no, they don't. <laughs> so uh, I guess, how do we go from, let's say novice dreamer where it's just happening to us, how you describe in the book versus like intending and creating a dream or going into your dream world for purposes of learning or what have you? Well, dreaming is a practice like any other, like sitting in meditation, like doing your yoga every morning, like, um, you know, brushing your teeth after each meal. It's a practice. So you need to put the time and more importantly, in this case, put the intention the belief that that is possible first, and second, the intention to, no matter how long it takes, get there. So you, you in our work, you uh, you are a natural dreamer. I mean, you can access these these states and these layers. It was very easy for me to go into your dreams and then uh, you know walk walk your world together. Now, for me, uh, that was not the case. I spent years and years in frustration. Um, doing all the practices, all the preparation um, to to get there, and I woke up blank, over a night in and night out, blank, without getting anything. And just my dreams were just random and and uh, and uh, you know discombobulated. So what someone can can do, and there's a few uh, practices that can be done 
to in the wake state, you know, like certain movements and body positions and certain breath that are uh, according to the, my teachers and, and in the tradition of, of this lineage uh, preparation that it will will prepare your energy to access state of a state of dreaming. Um, also helps not to go to sleep tired. That's another thing that uh, over the years, you know, if I want to, um, if I intentionally want to sleep, maybe taking a nap earlier or something to get to a state of sleeping without just, you know, because otherwise, you know, most of us live in a constant state of exhaustion from our lives, from our thoughts, from our emotional upheavals. So we go to sleep and we clank. I mean, I just, you know, <laughs> pass out. So there's You're no, out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no, right. And, the, and that's exactly what it should happen. I mean, the body needs to rest dreaming in the way that we are talking about takes energy. So you can actually wake up from sleeping tired if you had a, a long, a long, uh, intense dream, uh, dreaming session. Um, the other thing is, yes, and there's no way, there's no ABC procedure to do this. It's just about intention and about every night going to sleep with the intention of realizing when you're falling asleep. You know, usually we go into a, a slumber, we fall asleep and then we pass out, we just lose consciousness. So, um, realizing that you're falling asleep, remain, remaining conscious and alert as the body falls asleep and loses, uh, losing control is the first step. So you remain, um, awake in some cases. I mean, I, uh, you know, for me many times I still looking at the ceiling and I'm looking at the ceiling, looking at the ceiling, and then my I hear my body uh, snoring. So I'm like, oh, okay, I'm sleeping. I tell to myself, I'm sleeping, okay, no, so now we can we can go dream, right? Uh, of course, this is very confusing for the mind because the mind will like a procedure. Well, like, well, you do this and you breathe this way and you twist your body in this other way and you scratch your nose. No, it doesn't happen that way. You just right. need to give us the five step process. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, uh, the whole process of dreaming is nonlinear and it has, uh, it has no, uh, comparison or point of reference in the world of linear thinking and rational mind. So the only thing you can do is just put in intention, intend to, to realize that you're falling asleep. And, you know, uh, um, someone that never done this will be frustrated for, days, weeks, months, years, maybe that in my case, it was years until all of a sudden it starts happening. And that's, that would be the first step. The second step then that once you're aware, then you just, you start paying attention to certain elements of the dream, but that's a little bit more advanced. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like, like, you know, I, I remember learning like, you know, look at your hands in your dream and going through that. And when I was working with you, I moved through some of these gateways as they're called, um, or these gates, you know, pretty, quickly until I got to a certain point. Um, and it was, it was really cool and it was really fun and interesting to explore. And I remember I was always asking you, yeah, but Taylor, what's the point? Like what's the, in the practical world? Like what's the point? And then like, I got, I got it one day like, Oh, okay. If I can go in there and control the dream and, and be lucid and create in the dream, then that can translate into my reality. So the next place I want to go with you is what is the difference between me you know, doing this in my, you know, quote unquote sleep versus doing it 
let's say, in my waking sleep. So by way of sitting on the couch and going into a very deep visualization, let's say, of what I want to create. Is there a difference in those two worlds or states or, or what would you say to that? Well, there's some practical difference. One is in the sleeping room, you have a lot more um, um, possibilities and resources. You know, you don't need to breathe. You don't, uh, you're not affected by gravity. You're not accept, affected by any physical limitations, uh, you know. Um, so it's a, lot, it's a much more fluid state of uh, energy and consciousness. Um, the beauty of dreaming here in this attention, in this um, you know, state of uh, every, everyday life, is that you can literally create your life, literally dream it, and literally intend uh, in turn, certain certain things in your life that can be some related to you, some things you want to see in the world, and so on. So they're very different um, in the sense that the uh, the flavor of the dreaming is different, and then the the consequences in the everyday life are different. Um, I mean, I, I talk about. I mean, this is first book that I put a taste of that in one chapter, and um, you know, my next book will be um, a book all about dreaming, all about dreaming this way and a practical applications of it in the sense, you know, you can use dreaming uh, for healing. So you can go into your own cells or into your own bones, into your own organs, and then, uh, you know, really study and fix things. You can do, um, you can use dreaming for uh, solving problems or acquiring knowledge, direct knowledge. You can use dreaming for communicating with uh, with other people from here, or from you know communicating with with other other um, uh, you know living organisms, with trees, with animals. Then uh, you can use dreaming for traveling. So if you want to visit some place, you can go into dreams. Uh, and I say we can go into dreams like fantasizing. That's what people understand. No, I'm saying you literally go to those places and explore and see them and really learn what it needs to be learned. Um, you can use uh, dreaming. I've used dreaming a lot. I mean, I'm very social. I'm very uh, community oriented. So my my predilection has many times I've met with groups. A certain uh, you know, two days ago I was in a in a United Nations kind of gathering with with um, representatives from many, many countries discussing, um, discussing, bringing a clear intention hearts to the way we run countries and societies. So that was a really interesting uh, gathering that I participated in. Um, so it, it's really effective. I mean, you can, um, yeah, yeah, and you can just intend your life. Yeah. I mean, that's what I find so fascinating about it. And it's, I mean, I love that we're going there, especially on the show, because I talk a lot about, you know, how women in particular, but people can empower themselves. And this is one of the most amazing ways to empower yourself because you're literally not reacting to your life anymore. You're creating it. And I mean, I, for one, selfishly would love to master this, as I'm sure many people now listening to this that it's resonating with are saying, wow, like I, I you know, I want more of that. So, yeah, I, I really appreciate the conversation around this. I wonder if you can share with us the very specific message that you share in the book that came to you in a dream state. And it's it's a beautiful 
you know, message of really not, it's very aligned with many non-duality teachings, but it came to you in such a beautiful way. And it is one very huge element of your whole book and, and the work that you're here to do. So can you share that with us? Sure, sure, sure. And, and let me make a comment right before that. You mentioned something about empowering yourself and so on. The trick about dreaming is that in a way you need to empower yourself first because dreaming also strips you from any filters. So any crapola that you haven't dealt with will bite you in the neck mm-hmm. uh, in the state of dreaming. So any insecurities, any fears, any, any, it will play against you in, in dream states. So doing the inner work here, um, I'm, I'm putting the time to just go into dreaming as clean and clear as, and focused as you can uh, makes a big difference. Oh, that's really interesting. Okay, we might have to go there next after you tell the story. <laughs> sure, sure. So regarding the story, I mean, this is, uh, um, I, I have, uh, you know, again, I, I, I dream a lot. I, so I uh, dreams uh, have the certain dreams in my life that had actually may, you know, transform my life. And the one that I describe in the book is one of them, is one of the most recent ones. Um, basically, I went to sleep on a beautiful summer summer night and and, uh, and I, I sensed a presence, uh, make, you know, introducing itself as wolf. You know, so I write in the book with capital W and italics because you know, it or they said that they are the um, sum total of the awareness of, uh, you know, the collection of all the awareness of the wolves that ever existed and will ever exist. And in a way that also fueled by all physical life on earth. So they said that they, this, this particular awareness is the, 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 um, the key that makes human perception on earth possible. It's a complicated concept, but uh, imagine perception as as a key and lock system. You know, you know, we have the lock or the key, and then there's a there is a, a a receptor that needs to come into place for you and I to agree that we have a conversation right this moment through a certain electronic medium, right? And it's daylight, and you know, whatever, and we agree that red is red and the blue is blue, and and so there's certain uh, perceptual agreements that we take for granted in our world to um, that actually are not a given. There's uh, there's a lot that had to happen in our configuration for us to be embodied at this time, at this in this place, and have agreement about the world we live in. So that agreement is uh, facilitated in many ways by this consciousness call. That introduces itself to me as wolf. I mean, it might be, it might have other names to different people. I imagine since I have this affinity with wolf, that's that's what, you know, <laughs> got me to pay attention. It wasn't going to call itself Fred. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Donald. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the the message was uh, was simple. They, you know, they they expressed that uh, wolf. Um, the, this cosmic wolf and human and in the, in the cosmic sense as well, we were at one point one single 
vibration, one single energetic entity. And, and uh, we arrived to this reality together as one. We disassociated as a way to embody. And then we've been uh, twin vibrations for, for uh, the length of our existence here. So, so this, is, this is a conversation beyond time, beyond space. It's nonlinear, right? So, uh, you know, if you ask me, it was, you know, 90,000 years ago, you know, we can say agree on that on any other date. Um, and then they, they, they went on to show me how we created the ego, you know, the, this self-reflection, this, um, this sense of self-identity that we all have um, developed and it's an integral part of who we are. And it's also <laughs> many seekers I mean, that they try to get rid of, which I don't recommend. Um, was a, a very sophisticated uh, device that we in intentionally created in order to gain cohesion and inhabit this this reality. The trick was that this uh, this self reflection, this ego, um, was about protection and it was about focus of perception, and it kind of spun energetically um, out of alignment and created a fog that, uh, in a way, we forgot where we're coming from and what else is available and so on. So we just get to see what we designed the ego to help us see, which is this reality. So now and then we created a journey, the journey of discovery, the journey of spiritual journey for every tradition around the world, which is the journey back into what we were at one point, what we can do at one point. I mean, all the feats of, of, of that we can achieve in dreams, this, you know, flying, traveling, space travel, whatever. Um, this is something that at one point, you know, many, many traditions have legends and mythology of their ancestors and, and, and wise ones being able to do these things. So these were not, you know, things from the movies. It's just who we were. And, um, yeah, I mean, what does he want me to say? That's a mouthful already. Yeah, it, I mean, it is. And I just have so, I'm like, I, I'm so excited to have this conversation. I have so many questions because I'm, so I've been, and I am, I guess, a student of A Course in Miracles and I've studied other like non-duality teachings and and they're all they all have that similar like kind of view and then when i read that chapter in particular and the details of the download that came to you it was just well number 1 it was even more confirmation but also the thing that struck me the most is that the ego was created for us like for, for a benefit for cohesion yep. you said which is great because actually in, in many of these teachings, they don't teach you that the ego is bad, but I think our interpretation is we have to get rid of it. There's a lot of students of A Course in Miracles that they want to kill the ego or get rid of the ego. And I love how you brought it in because like it's you're just it, searching or seeking in vain to do that because it's like hardwired. It's there. And the perspective that you were given or the the truth that you were downloaded was that it was created for our cohesion and then you know, there was confusion that happened and there was this fog. And so that intrigues me so much because, um, again, because of all these teachings that say the ego's bad, you should get rid of the ego. And um, I wonder if you could say a little bit more on that, like just on that topic of like, how. so how do we break that fog that we created, right? With this, this ego creation, which was originally for our benefit. Look, let us put it this way. We spend the majority of our energy sustaining that fog. Mm. 
So we don't need to put more energy now in this, this put energy in destroying it or breaking it. We just this is a, a process of um, redistribution of that energy, the energy that is focused on defending the self, defending the you know who we are, uh, getting offended, blah blah blah. That takes all uh, all the energy that could be available for for a lot more interesting um, uh, applications. It's spent in that. So it's just a redistribution. Nothing needs to die. We don't need to get rid of it. I mean, that's uh, I think it's a it's a huge mistake, a mis misinterpretation. This is the killing of the ego. For God's sake, I mean, um, you know, I know some very advanced monks at the top of the Himalayas. They reach certain states of being, you know, barely human and so on. For the regular guy walking down the street, having a job, you know, having a family, having a life, trying to somewhat exist and drive down the street or take a bus, you do not want to get rid of your ego. <laughs> I mean, it's a... It's a um, it, exactly, because we kind of need it to function. Yeah, but it's, it, right, it's, a, it's, again, it's a change of emphasis. So, uh, you know, one of the practical tools, so this ego is the mind, we describe it, the mind as this chatter in the, in the head and so on. But I, that was, in fact, also a very, very specific, very efficient tool for survival that will help us gain cohesion of perception. I mean, it's, it, this, is, this is a humongous topic, right? And, and that most people will intellectually entertain and then go on with their lives because there's no way to really describe it with words and in a linear, in a linear way. So, yeah, it is definitely a huge topic for sure. It is, it is, <laughs> it is, it is. Um, so an integration where the, the mind can actually relax and take a subordinate place to the energetic perception is the ideal, in my opinion, state of being, meaning you have this energetic perception, you lead, we lead our lives with what we, um, you know, the wolf talked about feeling with capital F and, and italics as a, as a higher, highest form of communication, highest form of perception, because a way to, you know, our bodies is, is unencumbered by language, by culture, we are a perceiving organism, uh, so we we can use that to really understand and process our experience, our life, our world, and then use now the mind really gives way to the intellect to be a conveyor, a translator of what we perceive. So opposed to, I mean, what we've been, what we've done is shut off the perception and then let the mind lead, and the mind is not. Uh, equipped to live. We actually did not conceive this self-identity mechanism as, as a leading device. We did, we, it was designed as a survival tool, but never as a substitute for our real intelligence, which is the perception of our energetic body. So if we just can create that shift where we through dreaming and many other techniques and practices, access and begin to trust this energetic perception, perception which most of us is dormant, dormant, um, 
and let the intellect and the mind be the conveyor of that, the precise conveyor of that. Yeah, if there's that's, one of the... That's, um, uh, sorry, Teo, go on. That's okay. No, that was, I was going to say that's a game, game changer. Yeah, I mean, if the, I was going to say there's one of the teachings that just sticks like the most in my mind from you is that. And, you know, when I can catch myself, I, I remind myself of that often of the like the mind is in service to, you know, your spirit, your creation, your perception and all of that. And it strikes me when I read that chapter and you talked about how Wolf uh, as this sort of cosmic collective um, gave you feelings as as the compass. And I talk a lot about on the show about, you know, feelings being your compass, because it's one of the things that sadly we're taught to mostly numb out um, because feelings can be scary for people. They can be out of control. They get often confused with emotion, which gets confused with feeling. Um, and yeah, that's one of the teachings I remember most about having the mind be in service too, especially when I catch myself in overwhelm or creating some kind of drama, which, you know, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and you know me, Dale. Like, I can I can are, spin a story in my mind really well. <laughs> you are the only one, Giovanna. I know, right? I'm so special. I'm the only one that does that. But yeah, so when I, I can catch myself and it's like, and I have it, I think I have it, I went through a notebook the other day and I had it written in like five different places, that same thing that you said, like having the mind be in service too. Um, and it's interesting to me how often, like going back to this feelings thing, like we try and overly control with the mind, I think because we're afraid of feelings, because again, I, I think we confuse them with emotion. And like, how would you, how would you explain the two or separate the two for people listening? Well, the first distinction is that feelings are not scary for people. They're scary for the ego. Mm. So, and we identify ourselves with it. So, um, in order to create the shift that I was talking about earlier, the first realization, just the same way in dreaming, you need to realize that you're falling asleep. In waking life, you need to realize that this identity and you are not the same. So there is a, there's a state of consciousness that is that exists independent from the identity of the self-reflection or the ego. I mean, ego is a... It's a psychological term, you know, Freudian term. So we can talk about ego, but I, that's a very specific, you know, school of thought. Uh, but it's a self-reflection, self-identity, uh, sense of self. Right? Um, so when we, but we are jumbled, you know, scrambled together. So when this sense of self feels intimidated or insecure around feelings, around around not being in the lead, then we feel this fear. But what if we, the, we can create a separation between this uncertainty of the, of the self-reflection and our emotional reaction to it? So that's one, the one, the one, the first thing to, to, um, make a distinction around. Then we have feelings and emotions. I mean that the word is, is, is used interchangeable. Uh, the way the way I use the word feeling with capital F and italics, the way the wolf describes it, is actually as a as a um, all encompassing language language of being. So it's beyond 
love and sadness and, and loss and whatever we describe as feelings or emotions. It is a, um, um, envision it this way. Imagine that from your body, there are infinite strands of energy reaching in every direction possible through space and time. And each of those are sensors or probes for feeling. And each of them bring answers, knowledge, uh, decisions, um, uh, visions, the path ahead, uh, sense of community, connection, connectivity, all of it in every language known to man throughout the galaxy. You know, I, so imagine the, the, the state of uh, being that feeling can give us, right? And that's beyond any uh, human experience in a way. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm getting, I'm getting that actually, as you explain that I'm getting that at a deeper level. Um, yeah. And understanding that I'm, I, I am, I'm having that sort of, you mentioned it earlier about the, like the receptor sites and the, you know, the little, the, the spidey senses, right? Like having it be, um, yeah. And more, more than just how we look at feelings. Like I like that you said, capital, capital F italicized. It's such a bigger, um, there's such a, a bigger, a, a bigger potential and a bigger vantage point to feeling, let's say, cosmically versus how we talk about feelings here. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But that's our natural state. I mean, this is not this is not a 10 step process that we need to get there. You know, um, uh, imagine we all know how to ride a bicycle. Then you don't touch a bicycle for 20 or 30 years. And then you get in a bicycle again and maybe, well, maybe I need training wheels. Maybe someone needs to hold my bike. Maybe needs to, well, so I, I'm not getting on it, right? I'm not just going to leave it there. I don't want to fall, right? And I'm not getting on it, but it's sitting there. I'm not going to fall. All along, you probably sit on the bike and you start pedaling and you go. But because, I, you know, in over 20, 30 years, you, you, oh, I, you know, I never rode a bicycle in my life, you know, that, so it's, it's, that's kind of, it's, it's intrinsic to every single one of us. It's our birthright to have these capabilities, this, uh, this uh, rich uh, um, at a cosmic level. And we just uh, don't, haven't done it <laughs> too often. Yeah. I mean, my, my listeners are definitely getting a little bit more insight on me in this episode, I'm realizing, because I could geek out. I could geek out on this forever. I can probably talk to you for another hour. <laughs> and Ben, you know, the average listener, uh, I'm hoping you guys get something awesome out of this. And um, and some of you might be listening going, what? You know, like, it, I didn't know you were into that stuff, Giovanna, but I totally am. And I could, like I said, I could geek out forever. But you know, we're, we're coming to the, to the end. Uh, we're actually over the half hour mark. And I said, I could talk to you for another hour. And normally, you know, at this point, like I would say something to the guests, like, you know, give us, leave us with your, you know, your top two tips or leave us with your best words of advice or leave us with something like that. But this has been such a like deep substantive, like right into the matrix conversation. I'm actually at a loss of how to end this. So I wonder uh, Teo, does anything come to you to lead us in, in anything or to offer something, um, at the end, at this juncture right now? Well, here's, I mean, this, the conversation was a bit far out. I you know your, your listeners will take it in many different ways. The, the bottom line is, the bottom, bottom line is this life is short. 
<laughs> I love a bottom and, line. Give us the bottom line. <laughs> yeah. And and really standing in the fence or sitting on the bleachers eating popcorn to watch you and I talk about this, but not even consider it or try it. It's a luxury beyond what any person can afford. Mm. Um, these are this, um, I encourage, uh, your listeners to ask you more. I mean, you have a lot that you can teach them and show them to, to research any part that in this conversation was spoke to them. You know, you never know what is the, the phrase that really, um, resonates. Take a moment to, to research a little bit, take a moment to see if it's someone in your neighborhood that, that would, um, uh, teach you this as a, as a practice group or someone that, you know, explore it a little bit because there's nothing to lose except some bruised identity. Well, I'm not woo-woo and I'm not whatever, you know, lovey-dovey, <laughs> touchy-feely, whatever, whatever, you know, whatever. Uh, that, that's all that can be lost is just, oh, maybe I am woo-woo, right? And uh, that acceptance can be big for people. But, um, and this is nothing but woo-woo. This is being a scientist of topics that are that have been captivating humans since the beginning of time that are captivating now scientists again with you know quantum you know string theory and quantum quantum theories and you know things that are really science and and energy uh our perception is beginning to re um unite and and, and try it out try it out get curious yeah, I love that as a as a bottom line. I love that. Thanks for summing that up for me because <laughs> I was like, wow, <laughs> I don't even know. I, besides, you know, booking you for part two and three and five, I don't even know where to go next. But that's a great bottom line. It's yeah, just peaking. And I, you know, ultimately that was my goal with this episode too is that people would have their curiosity peaked. And if something we said was like, wow, that's interesting. I want to look into that or I want to grab that book or pick up the Wolf Connection book or the book on dreaming and or just something that just sparks the interest because, you know, I know personally for myself, you know, and this is directed at the audience, when I lose sight of this, which unfortunately is often, but when I lose sight of this, you know, life seems to go shit. Like there's drama and stuff happens and I'm reactive. And when I can sort of keep my eye on the ball of like, you know, my true essence and not identifying with what's happening with me and emotions, life seems to go smoother. So if that's the one thing I could leave with you all, Teo, thank you for being here. It's always an honor to speak with you and to uh, continue to have you be my teacher. Thank you. <laughs> the pleasure is mine, Giovanna. Always love to be with you. Thank you so much for tuning in and keep rising everyone for books and resources related to today's episode make sure you head over to sherisespodcast.com and i'll see you there if you've enjoyed today's episode make sure you tune back in next week when i dive into more juicy topics to help make your life the best it can be and hey if you've enjoyed listening to the show and you love it head on over to itunes and leave me a rate and review and subscribe there to the show 